grateful for the ministry of this couple. And uh, with our lead pastor being away right now, it's an opportunity for us to have our own pastor speak. We're going to get that the next couple weeks. But we have uh, Brian and his family with us today. And they lead a ministry called RS1 Ministries. And you guys are traveling all over the place, ministering at churches and youth groups and things like that. And uh, for those of you who are like, that guy looks kind of familiar. He did our youth camp last year. And so it's kind of cool that our youth band was playing this morning and Brian did our youth camp last year and he just brought such a fiery, passionate, powerful message to our church family. And so we are excited for what you're bringing today, Brian. Why don't you introduce us to your wife and your two daughters? All right. Uh, this is my wife, Donnelly Walrond. She has my last name. And uh, we actually co-lead this ministry. We do this together. God's called us together. And also with our two beautiful girls, Jenea and Kaylee. I would like you to have the privilege of standing up. Please stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Good morning, Father's House. It's so good to be here. We just want to thank Pastor Greg and Betty and the whole team for having us and inviting us into your home. Um, This place just has a real special place in our hearts. Um, We met Pastor Greg uh, at the MFI, no, FCA um, (laughs) conference up in Grand Prairie just as the fires were happening. And our hearts just really connected there. And uh, we've come, we came the first couple weeks after the fire, and we just really got to know Greg and Betty and know their hearts. And as we were praying for you guys last night, I just started to pray, and it was, I, I just felt like, you know, when the Holy Spirit is speaking, and you know it's not your heart that is speaking necessarily, or it's his heart that's speaking through you as you pray. And as I was praying, I just felt like, Um, that you're going to begin to see a great harvest. That the hearts of Pastor Greg and Betty, they've fathered you, they've championed you, they've given you place to um, sow seed, they've given you place to serve uh, in the house, but also in the community. And this next season is just a season of harvest. I just prayed like you've been fasting and all the um, well, the fasting that you have taken that has taken place for the seeds that have been sown for the love that has been shown. I really do pray for the harvest for those that are believing in faith. I pray that you would believe for even uh, more that you would step out in a greater way and just step out of your comfort zones, step out of um, maybe the box sometimes that you put them in, step past the fear, let it just go right past you and go, no, it's time to to reap the harvest that God has um, given you, that you've sown into. And so as you guys, I know you guys are building, uh, you're building and as you're taking those steps, I just pray for the harvest, that there would be such a great harvest in this place, in this city, and around the world for for each individual and for your house. So um, my name is Dinah Lee, and obviously we have a ministry called RS1 Motivational Media. Uh, We're missionaries with commission to every nation. And we do. We travel all over North America. Uh, We actually announced that we were stepping into full-time ministry two days before the fire in Fort McMurray. (laughs) 
and we're like, wow, what does this mean? And so, but since then, we have traveled all over North America, probably over half of um, the states and uh, parts of Canada, and Brian's been on a couple uh, overseas trips. And we speak at churches, we speak at youth groups, but what we've realized that it's really the divine appointments that God sets up along the way that are just the heart, God's heart. You just see God's heart for people. And as we go, we've seen um, like three atheists get saved in a mall parking lot. Brian may have shared that testimony before, uh, which is so awesome. Even last night, we had a dinner at this special couple's house, and they invited some guests over, and we just got to speak a word into their lives and, and really pray for them. And then you get to come to church and say, you guys, like, open your mouth, open your hearts, and see what God does. If we give him the opportunity he will work, he will move, and you get to be the body of Christ, be his hands and feet to this world, because his heart is just burning for people, and he's yearning for you to just be obedient to the call of God that's on your life. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to do that, to step out more, to believe for more. And so today we have a table um, out at the back, in the foyer, I guess, uh, with our merch, with our Too Much to Live For tour t-shirts. Uh, our, our family is on a five-week tour, and we're traveling just mostly in Alberta. This time we are going to hit Saskatchewan for a couple days. Um, but just by even buying a t-shirt helps support us in what we do. And we do have some envelopes uh, that you can uh, look at for more information um, if you would like to support what we do or sign up for our newsletters, follow us on Facebook and all those fun things. Um, our girls are at our table to help you. And so thank you for having us. And we just pray that the message would really speak to your hearts this morning. Too much to live for. In the span of 14 days, we experienced the death of three important people in our lives. It rocked us to the core. See, the reality of death is so final, foreboding, and ruthless. Yet in the midst of our grief and the intense pain that we process through, we've seen life in a way that has only reinforced our purpose and mission. To wake people up so that they can see that we have too much to live for. In this world, we see too much death, too much heartache, too much suffering, too much despair, and too many lives destroyed by sin, abuse, and lawlessness. We've seen it up close many times, the hopelessness, the loneliness, and deep despair in the eyes of those seeking a reprieve from it. The internal and external voices telling people that they're helpless, hopeless, and beyond saving. Well, the devil is a liar, and there is hope and purpose for anyone and everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. See, we are the living body of Christ, his church, a sleeping giant, yet so many of us are out of place and disconnected because of bitterness, resentment, hurt, and pride. But we can only find and function in our purpose connected to others in the body. Imagine the impact of a unified, authentic, compassionate, humble, and devoted people walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, commissioned with purpose. This is what we were made for. So I say wake up to those who are bitter, to those who are broken, to those who have fallen and those who have given up. We have too much to live for. 
a responsibility that we can't ignore, a timeless message to the rich and the poor. There's so much more. Yes, greater things are in store, amazing things we haven't seen before. This is our third Awaken Life tour. So wake up, people. We have too much to live for. Ah, it's so good to be back home in the Father's house. Um, as Donnelly was saying, this place has a very special place in our heart, um, mainly because uh, Betty's here. <laughs> yeah, let's give a big hand to Betty. And Pastor Greg, you too. I know you'll be watching. But really, our hearts have knitted not just with Pastor Betty and, and Greg, but also with the team, with uh, the youth ministry. Even, I, I felt, even from talking with you even once, I felt that our hearts connected. Because you know what? We're not here. I'm not here so that you can see how great we do stuff. We're here to give him the glory. We're here to, as we share and we, and we testify of the good things that God has done so that he would receive all the glory because if we lift him up, all men will be drawn unto him. And what I love about this place, it's very kingdom orientated. It's not about a man. It's not about a person. It's about Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in this wor world. And so but what, as we were preparing uh, this week, especially this morning, as, as we were preparing, as I was sitting there, I felt the Lord just say that many of you are battle-weary. Yeah, you've gone through some big battles. Anybody? <laughs> Whether it's through as a congregation, individually, it seemed like the hits just keep on coming. And sometimes you've just been holding on, hoping that someone's holding on to you. Well, he has been. So you were created on purpose for his purpose, and your, and your purpose that you were created for is not done yet. You still have breath in your lungs. You still have life in your body, and you still have purpose that you were created for. You have too much to live for. This is our, this is our, our message that we embody. The RS1 Motivational Media, our mission statement is to ignite passion, unlock potential, unleash creativity, and inspire purpose to help people connect with what God has given them to do so that they can fulfill their destiny. Isn't that what we all want? Though, isn't there more to life than what we're living? Huh? I mean, is it, it, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal bodies? I mean, is he just quicken us for this or is there more? I have to believe there's more. And so even as you've gone through different things, I felt the scripture that I wanted to read over you before I get started with, with uh, the message is Isaiah chapter 41, 9 through 14. And it says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Come on. See all your angry enemies lying there, confused and humiliated? Come on, have you seen any, any uh, voices, any uh, pressures coming against the church being, being told, back off? Because God is the one that's fighting, not us. 
You will look in vain for those who try to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing, for I hold you by your right hand. Some of you, this is for you today. You need to reach your hand back up and take hold of the God who is faithful. And as I say to you, don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid of is don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I'm the Holy One of Israel. Man, I don't know who that's for, but I know that God has called us to reign and rule with Him and not be subjects to the powers that be to cause us to be downcast, downtrodden, discouraged, that we are called with a hope, with a promise that he will do what he says he will do. There is harvest coming here. And so even as I get to start with you, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting, interesting message because it was interesting, interesting putting together. But um, there's a verse in the Bible that says, what profits a whole man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? And, this, and I thought of another thing. What, what do you have to lose if you have also lost it all? Your soul. Whether you are at the top of your game having everything uh, happen in your life and, and it's caused a, a part where you, you don't even trust God anymore, you don't need to depend on him, your soul is still in jeopardy. Whether those that you've gone through hell and, and back and you have lost everything, whether it's a job, your family, your marriage, and all those things, and at the end of the day, you're bitter and broken and you, and you, don't, you don't have any uh, hope in life and that you're so mad at everybody and anyone, you're not even justified to be in that position because if you are bitter and you don't have any love uh, flowing through you and you hate and bitterness and just, and just rebellion toward God, you know what? You're, you're going to lose your soul as well. I say that because in these times it's crazy. You, well, it's politically whether it's just in our school systems, whether it's wherever. The, this is such a crazy environment that we, the church, get to live in. And though there's a lot of craziness happening, man, this is a great time to get right with God. This is a great time to lean into him and say, God, I no longer live for myself, but I live for you. Come on. And so... Um, In Luke chapter 15, I'm just going to go real, a little bit fast on this. It, it uh, starts, uh, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often come, came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious, religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, my goodness. Jesus was eating with the sinners. But before that, in chapter 14, end of that chapter 14, it says, uh, Jesus said that unless you're willing to give up everything and sell everything you have or give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. And I'm sure that the Pharisees were lifting, listening to that. And, um, uh, and then they saw that Jesus is uh, hanging out with sinners and they get to, they, and uh, they were so mad and irritated that the, the clean, holy person that Christ claimed to be 
would be eating and be hanging out with sinners. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what would he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders when he arrives. He, called, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I mean, we've heard this story so many times. And it says, in the same way, Jesus says, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over a 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. The price of a soul is immense and a great importance is put on it. Have you ever lost something that is valuable? And you didn't realize that it wasn't value, was so valuable until you lost it? Well, it, about, oh, about a week ago, I was preparing this, had uh, prepare, started preparing for this message. And uh, I, I, I go back a month ago, my uh, passport was stolen from my car. Right? Yeah, I know. It should never have been in the car. Um, <laughs> I, already, I already beat myself up about that already. But it's... It's my Canadian passport, and I had about eight years left on it, but now it's gone, stolen, had to report it stolen, so I couldn't. So I'm an evangelist, missionary, and we, minister, and we travel quite a bit. I need a passport. So it just so happens that I'm dual citizen. <laughs> you know how to feel, be, be born. <laughs> um, so I have another passport. And so, but it was, it's expired, so it needed to be renewed. So we just came from uh, a... We just had a season where we had our first uh, fundraiser that we had down in, in um, uh, BC. And uh, so there's a lot of hoopla, some people coming to visit. And so uh, we, I had my application in an in a, uh, a f- uh, envelope. And so after it all went done, done I said, you know what, I, we need to send off the application, get it renewed as we're traveling to, uh, to Alberta. And so just after everybody leaves, we go to look for it. We can't find it. And we look everywhere, everywhere. I'm telling you, I, I sweat drenched my brow. I haven't said that in a while, my brow. Um, and it, I, it caused me so much Grief. In fact, I couldn't go to sleep because I'm thinking that because of my uh, passport, because of different situations, I wouldn't be able to get my Canadian passport for like seven months. So, but I have my uh, U.S. passport, which I should be able to get within six weeks. But it was lost. And so if it's lost, there's a whole lot of rigmarole for me to get another one in the time that we're going to be flying to different places, Jamaica, traveling to the States and stuff like that. So I am just kind of besides myself. And so I lose sleep. I know none of y'all lose sleep because of stuff like this. Um, I lose sleep, and, it, and we needed to leave on Thursday. And uh, went everywhere. In fact, outside the house, uh, there's some stuff going on in our uh, community, so that there's cops posted all around. And so right behind my car is a, a, a cruiser. And so and it's late at night. So I'm going out to this cruiser like four times looking through the, <laughs> the car hoping that I can find it. It was never found. And then I know the cop thought I was 
weird, sketchy. But it wasn't until the night before we were leaving that my wife found it. Thank the Lord for wives. But it was lost. And not only that, it meant way more than just a piece of paper or document. It meant that I was not able to do what I'm called to do. And it, and it affected me greatly, uh, more than I'm willing, actually, actually I am willing to admit. <laughs> um, but it really, it, it was incredible to see that, you know what, these documents that we keep, take for granted, if we don't have them, there's a lot of things that we can't do. But sometimes we have to lose something to discover how value how valuable it is. And it even goes on to say in in verse 8, our our supposed a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her in her friends and say, rejoice. With me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God, God's angels when even one sinner repents. And I want to just lay this foundation just to say to you that even one, that, uh, one coin represented a day's wage. So how many of you have lost a check or some, a wad of money before and you, or a document or something where it was so important and you just didn't know where it was? It's like it vanished and it caused you great stress. Anybody? Come on, please. I know there's more people with me. Don't act like I'm the only one. Oh, man, thank you. I am human. It is, there's a lot of things that, uh, that are on, on this earth that's, uh, that's worth a lot. Some of it we put too much value on, and if we, we're scared of losing it. And there's other things that we don't put enough value on and that we treat as trivial but when lost, it's a really big deal. In uh, verse 11, it goes, Jesus goes on a little bit further, and he says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them there's a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he, was wa- there he wasted all his money and while living about, about this time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now, I want to say, have you ever had things happen right at the same time? Like when you, the, his, his money ran out and then <laughs> there was a famine. I don't think you could get any worse than that, except that then he, he, he was so, um, uh, so just distraught that he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. How about that? I'm going to the city to enjoy life, now I'm with the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Even in a point where he thought he was entitled to everything, and then he's now feeding pigs, and he wants what the pigs are eating. But no one gave it to him. I want to say this. Sometimes we have to uh, lose our mind in order to gain sanity. Do you know, it says, in the word, it says, um, uh, a way may seem right to a man, but it lends in destruction. 
Different times where we think it says God's ways are above our ways. But what's so interesting is how many times are our ways placed before his ways? I got scars to prove my idiot, <laughs> my, my uh, frailty and my uh, rebellion that has happened in my life. Uh, some, some big things, some small things. But sometimes we have to let, God allows us to let things go so that we come to the understanding that that's not good for us. And so I believe that the prodigal son, he lost his mind. I mean, first to even say, hey, give, God, give me the money I deserve so I can do what I want with it. Then you could tell it's like it's not like, hey, I, I just need some money to build my life. He wanted it for a purpose. And it says, um, after a few days, the younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Obviously, he was not thinking logically. And about the same time his money ran out and, and great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And I want to say this, it's, it's like this, it's like uh, we, we, uh, we lose our mind in life sometimes when we go through hard times, especially struggles, especially intense time of lack or just um, things that we lose. But in 50, Luke 15, 16, it says, it, it, it's like... Um, he says, after losing everything, he thought the, the, the pig food looked good. But, in, but I love it. In Luke 17, 15, 17, he says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I'm, this part just rocks my world. Because, because so many times we go and try to work things on our own way, do our things. I have it now, Lord. And then we, we come to these roadblocks. And before we have a thought, especially being in a Western culture, we have a sense of entitlement that I should have this, that this is the way things should be. I should have this. I should have that. And Lord said that, isn't it enough to have me? How valuable is it that I'm in your life? How valuable is it that I should be the one that you worship first and not these things? It says in the word that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all those other little things like where we, where we sleep, what we drive, what we wear would be added unto us. But first and foremost, it's our relationship with him. Does that make sense? But after coming to his senses, the lost son, the prodigal son, is no longer feeling entitled. He realizes the value of his home that he left. And he says, I am no longer to be uh, uh, worthy to call, be called your son. He says, I will, uh, and so he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the, fa but the father said, no, you are my son. He said, bring the finest robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and kill the calf, kill the fattened calf. We must celebrate a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. 
Now, this is what I love. Do you know that when people get saved, it triggers, triggers parties in heaven? I mean, I don't mean just like a little <laughs> happy birthday party. <laughs> happy one-year-old birthday party to you. No, I'm talking like bring out everything. There is more joy when one person comes to Jesus and repents than even when for those that have been there forever. And so I don't know about you, what we do, RS1 Motivational Media, as we travel, our goal is to trigger as many parties as possible. Uh, this past, um, uh, last November, I was uh, in um, Starbucks waiting, uh, trying, made meeting with one of my friends, and uh, another one of his uh, clients came in. And so as soon as I saw him, God spoke to me, and I began speaking to him about some things, and it kind of cracked him over, open, and he was very encouraged. And so then he started to walk away, and I'm like, I meet with my friend, and then the Lord says, go after him. So I run after him. Well, I jog after him. <laughs> and he's out in the rain in Starbucks in Abbotsford, and uh, I said, you know what, I feel like I need to pray for you about something. And he, he said this, he said, you know what, I've been uh, in church all my life, but I, I can debate with anybody about Jesus. In fact, I would die for him, but I don't have a relationship with him. And I said to him, this can happen right now. You can be uh, you can connected and uh, be reunited with your father right now. And you could tell his, he was a shaking inside because he goes, yes, that's what I want. So right there, while the uh, uh, rain is coming down, I got to lead him to Christ. And so what I find interesting about that, he's been in church. He knows a lot of the rituals and all these different things, but yet he was still far away from God. And so in this, and it tells me this. That sometimes we need to lose our religion to have a real, true relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not about just going to church. Sometimes it's not just about reading your Bible or saying your prayers. I'm not, that, that is, those things are necessary, but sometimes it's not about doing the things. It's about knowing the one who you're doing it for. That is the most important of all. Because it's like this. I, we, there's not only a younger brother who was a prodigal. There's also the older brother who was, quote, in church all the time, reading his Bible on the, on the servant team. Everybody knew, like, that's a faithful guy doing all these things. And, and he does, the, the, uh, the older brother didn't know that all the things that his father had actually was for him. All the things that, got, that, that uh, is going on in our life. Jesus came to die for our sins, for us, not just for us, but for everyone. So his brother and him has the same status within the home and he's getting jealous that he went away and he was lost. He almost died. He actually said to his father, you, you throw a party for him who wasted all his money on prostitutes and partying and all that stuff. And I've been here the whole time and you haven't done anything for me. I'd say that that young man did not have a relationship with his father. 
He was in church or he was right near the father doing all the things for the father, but he didn't have no smile on his face. He's thinking, I'm working for something. I'm doing this. If I just work hard enough, to make, one day I'll get all this stuff. And, and, and the father's like, it's already yours. What are you striving for? And so we can bring this down to now. With it, like I said, when somebody comes to Jesus, it triggers a party in heaven. When was the last time that you were able to experience someone coming to Jesus knowing that because of what you, because of your love for people and, your, and stepping out of your comfort zone, you saw somebody brought closer to him? There is nothing like that. I believe this, that many, it's like, because in the beginning it says that the Pharisees, and, and the, the, they were mad because this seems like uh, sinners were intrigued by him. They came to listen to him. None of the sinners would want to come to listen to the Pharisees because it was all about judgment and how good I am compared to how bad you are. But how many know I used to be a Pharisee? I used to be, I was, I was the number one uh, youth in my church. I, people, I, I used to be, I used to, uh, people just, oh, love that young man. He has a, just a love of the Lord. You know, serve here, do that. But at the same time, I had self-righteousness saying, like, I, thought, like, I felt like it was better than the world. How many go through life and you realize that those, that righteousness means nothing? It's the righteousness that we get from him and realize that without Christ, we're just like anyone else. Another thing happened uh, down in, in Abbotsford as well, this is where we live now. I was at the gym. I know. <laughs> Believe me, I was at the gym. And uh, playing, uh, shooting some basketball. Some people know that we like to play basketball. Check it out. And uh, so this uh, young man that are, yeah, he's a young man, he's younger than me, um, that I've been talking to, just witnessing to, his daughter uh, sprained her, her leg, her uh, ankle, and she's going to be in this, uh, a tournament this coming weekend, that, that weekend. And so she was really hurt, and I said, can I, can I pray for her? He's like, uh, okay. I said, okay, I will. And so I prayed for him, for her. And so then went, went all along with what I'm doing. The next Monday, I come in, and uh, he's playing one-on-one -on -one with her. And he comes, he runs up to me, he goes, man, that thing you did worked. <laughs> the thing I did worked. I prayed. What I did, I prayed. I gave God a chance. I didn't know what happened. But a miracle happened in both those lives where, where they were blown away at the power of God. Now, the same man said this to me the other day. I went, went into the gym, and I just had a word for him. I just spoke it to him. The next weekend, he comes back. You know what? I've been stressed, going through so much stuff. Last night, I prayed for the first time, and I slept like a baby. I'm just saying. Uh, there's, uh, there's another one where we were in, in, uh, in where was it? Uh, Illinois. We were, it was 1130 at night. We come into the steak and shake because the steak was shaking. And we had to eat it. Um, and this, 10 minutes into that, this guy comes up 
and he starts talking to him. Within 15 minutes, I, he, he comes to Jesus. Another party triggered. I'm just saying to you, there's a harvest coming here. You've been fighting. You've been fasting. You've been praying. What was this all about in the first place? For a new building? Was it, was it uh, for more people to come and just come to see all the good things that are happening at the Father's house? Is that why we were praying and fasting? I don't think so. The praying and fasting was for people, for souls. People who are lost, who are broken, who don't have no other recourse. And God is reaching out through who? Through us. Through you. And I see that even as I'm speaking, even as I'm talking, it's like some, for some people it's like, yeah. But I just know that there's different people whose hearts have begun to weep for the lost. There's people in here who are so done with the same old, same old of life and you feel so agitated knowing that there's more, but you don't know how to walk that through. Is there anybody? Because this morning as we come here, we, I didn't, we didn't come to perform. We've come to link hands with other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And say to you, look at the fields, look at the world. They're ripe for harvest. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal bodies. And for the purpose that he has created, to, created you to, to walk in, let's begin to walk in it. Because so many times it gets so we complicate things, don't we? How do I walk out my calling? Have I prayed enough? Have I putting enough time. And then we just, and so this calling that we, we put on a pedestal, but it's hard to reach because because we think it's about doing stuff when it's really about loving God and loving people. And so there's people, right, and the tips of your, your hands, of your tips of your life, and this very, this a, it's sometimes very simple. I mean, to find some needs and meet them. Find those who are lost and lead them. Find some students and teach them. Help people in bondage find freedom. Find hungry mouths and feed them. Find pure hearts with fertile ground and seed them. Help people stand against their abusers and defeat them. Bring hope to the hopeless and reach them. Come on. See, we need to advocate for those without a voice so people can see them. Listen to those with horrific stories and believe them. Help people set goals and achieve them. Find those out in the cold. Start a fire and heat them. For those filled with rejection, open your hearts and lives to receive them. Sound the alarm. Too many people are sleeping. Give people back their dignity and value by how you treat them. And for my daughter's sake, bake some cakes so people can eat them. People won't hear their message without opening our mouths and speaking. 
If you want to write, finish your books so we can read them. If you want to sing, practice some songs and see them, sing them. If you want to preach, then prepare some sermons and preach them. We can't expect to set people free if we are not walking in freedom. For everything we have to offer, there's people out there who need them. So purpose is not just a noun. It provokes action. Purpose is not found in good intentions. That's just acting. It's achieved and experienced by doing something impacting. Finding a need and meeting it is the only way to get traction. Man, there's things that we, we have discounted the, the natural and just different practical giftings that God's giving us. There's ones of you that have a gift of hospitality, and the Lord says it's time to open your home even more. I'm not talking to those few people that have their home open all the time. They need a break. There's other people that have that heart, and you say, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything to say. I don't know if they like my house. It's not about how they like your house. It's about how they respond to your heart. There's some of you here today. There's some of you here today that your mouths have been shut. And God wants to open them out. There's some of you here today that have been tormented with your past. And Lord says to you that he has redeemed you, he's called you by name, and he is wanting to restore your faith and your confidence in who he's made you to be instead of what you've proven yourself not to be. Today is a day where the Lord says, if you're lost, it's time to be found. Whether you are in the church or you're outside of church, the Lord has come here today and say, I'm reaching out to you. Will you let go of some of the religious stuff that's keeping you from him? Some of y'all are dealing with some crazy, crazy uh, realities. Even, I would just say this, even some sin and torment that you've been dealing with alone and it's destroying your life. And God is reaching out to you this today saying you don't need to walk alone. That he's found you. So raise up your hands and say, God, here I am. God, here I am. So even tonight, today, even as we, we end this, so this service today, I know for a fact that there's the different people that specifically were brought here to hear to hear this. And I believe that today is your day. There's freedom for some people that have been dealing with stuff like depression, anxiety, and fear. Today, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you begin to break those things off. So let's close our eyes today. This is between you and him. But there's some people here that, that you know you are lost. I mean, I, that, there's no other word that, would, uh, that could uh, explain it. But you feel you're lost and you're in darkness and you need to find light. Today's your day. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Come on. And there's uh, a couple more, more of you that you need to let down your bitterness and your judgment toward people and just and be able to say, God, thank you for what I do have instead of reeling against them for what you don't have. You have your life. You have your, your savior. You have your family. You have, you have uh, so much but you've been focusing on what you don't have. 
the Lord says today that he wants, to, he wants to change your perspective so that you can receive all of him today. So Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. God, you know who the people are here that need you desperately. And so if that's you, if you know that you're in that dark place, I want you just to lift up your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, today I repent. I acknowledge my sin, my rebellion towards you, and I ask that you forgive me. And I ask that you come into my heart afresh this morning and that you restore that which the enemy has stolen in Jesus' name. I submit to you today, Lord. Father, I pray over this congregation, Lord God, I thank you that harvest is coming. I thank you that there are more, pro God is preparing you for the prodigals. <laughs> so he needs to prepare you so that these prodigals can be reached and discipled. So Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for, for the Father's house. I thank you for this day, Lord God. May you have your way today in Jesus' name.